Welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast. Here at Evolution Recruitment NHS, we are committed to helping people and NHS organisations realise their potential. Our goal is to help build trust and develop deep relationships with individuals to make doing business easier. We collaborate with NHS organisations to help them build high-performing digital teams. We achieve this by curating and sharing insights into the ever-evolving NHS and digital industries best practices. I'm Katia and I am your host. The views expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect official position or policy of their organisation. So, welcome to the Evolution Exchange NHS podcast, everyone. Um, thank you all for joining me. We are here to discuss digital transformation within the NHS. So, before we delve into the topic, let's go around the room and get some introductions. So, Hammond, would you like to start first, please? Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm Hammond Reddy. I'm the uh, new, well, I say new, four months in, I suppose I could be classed as the new boy, the new boy at the uh, University Hospitals Birmingham. So I'm the Chief, Chief Technology Officer, um, been in industry for about 25 years, been in private practice for the last four years and prior to that very, 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 very much corporate. Um, and now I'm a few months into uh, the public sector and enjoying it so far. It's all good. Good stuff. Thanks, Hammond. Mark, I'll come to you next. Hi, I'm Mark Harrison. I'm uh, the head of digital transformation and deployment at Walsall. Um, my background is I'm military for 24 years uh, and then came and started work in the software industry, doing implementations of service desks and uh, then moved into the more pharmaceutical elements uh, of the industry and then moved into the NHS and back out to private sector and then back in to the NHS. Perfect, thank you Mark and lastly Michael we'll come to you. Hi there, I'm Michael Knight, I am Chief Technology Officer at NHS South Central and West so been uh, pretty much man and boy um, health and care so uh, have a brief eye into uh, fintech so um, and, and had some uh, roles in different kinds of organisations so both working at kind of national level uh, which will be interesting for some of our one of our questions today uh, as, as well as kind of working more uh, at more system level. Amazing. Thank you, Michael. So I think we should delve straight into it. Um, Mark, you've got two questions. So we're going to start with your first question. If you'd like to um, share that with the group with a bit of context, please. Yes. Uh, so my question is, in this current climate of austerity, why is digital transformation so important? And how does this fit with the collaborative working? The reason I pose this question is because there are so many changes across all industries and, and the health sector being one of the most important ones because we all work in it. Um, COVID had a kickstart for digital transformation and that's why I wanted to ask this question so that why is it important to us now not only for us as technical people but for the clinician and what does that mean? Amazing. Is there anyone that would like to go first or should I just choose? Hammond, <laughs> I can see you there. I am. Yeah, no, it's, um, I think it's a really good question and it and it, it goes back to um, what we're trying to do um, and what we're trying to do across across the hospitals, across the trust. And I think we as technical people within the trust are there to facilitate 
the uh, the clinical care of the patients. Um, I think digital transformation forms part of that. You know, healthcare has been has always been on a journey itself, and technology equally so. Um, and technology is there to you know to drive collaboration through technology and to to build upon the foundations of what we've got from a healthcare um, solution, um, and then speed it up, give people the ability to do things more efficiently, free them up to do um, better things with their time, be able to basically provide better care in a, in a, in a hospital using the technology around them. Um, I think the digital transformation that's happened over the last few years, and we can see that coming off the back of Teams, sorry, coming back off the COVID, is implementation of Teams, the fact we're having a video call now. A few years ago, it wasn't sort of natural for people to do that. People called each other, maybe they had WebEx phone calls and things like that, but we're now in a position where meeting people face to face is, you know, not as not as normal as it would be. You know, we're doing this, you know, on video right now. Um, and I think by, you know, improving teamwork, having faster problem solving, enhanced productivity, this all comes from uh, digital transformation. Um, and I think, you know, it's a, it's a benefit. It's the difficult thing is probably embracing it because it's a big change to a lot of people and it's a big change to healthcare. But I think with the right um, with the right education and the right cultural shifts, um, it can be a massive benefit for healthcare. Amazing. Thanks, Hammond. Michael, we'll come to you. Cool. Um, I mean, I think I think the problems that are, that are out there are fairly are fairly kind of stark, aren't they? And we and we see them uh, we we see them in in the mainstream media net at, at the moment, given kind of where we are um, as a as, as a sector. So you know, fundamentally, not not enough people uh, in order to provide the care that we need to provide to 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 to, to patients. Um, no, not not enough money. Um, or not enough money in the right places, um, or the way that we're having to spend money um, is, is you know, due to some of the other compromises. So you know, there's, there's a real opportunity to kind of use tech to to kind of jump the needle, as it were. Um, and if you speak, you listen to Forbes, you know, every company is a tech company. Um, and I think if we looked really honestly and really critically at, at the kind of digitalization of the way that we that we operate and way where we do things in in health and care, um, and I, I think I think we'd say we're we're still a we're still a really a really long way behind many other industries. So um, I think that's you know, the, the the problems to solve there. You know they are there, they are ready. There's there's probably too too many of them. I think the challenge in in the kind of digital space is the savings and improvements that get made. They inevitably don't end up sat in our cost centers um and uh, the, those benefits end up elsewhere and then you have your your fun enjoy around your annual annual business planning where you're kind of saying okay well why are your costs going up um and you know in, in a in a heavy, heavily kind of you know heavily capital funded or one-off funded bits of transformation work we need that ongoing funding to to keep that going you can't just you can't just say okay here's a one-off bit of money and and then that's it it's it's making that kind of long-term commitment so i think really for us our, our role is um is really doing that collaborative working bit um that mark's referred to in, in in the question so making sure we've got the clinical and business sponsorship and make the commitment to delivering the outcomes and making sure they're worthwhile in and worth prioritization and then for us really the showing how on the digital bit um, and doing it in partnership as part of that kind of collaborate collaboration. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty tough, and you know, I think really needs to be focused on now. There's so much opportunity, and it feels like the amount of funding is going down. It, it's really for us to kind of try and facilitate. You know, what are the what are the really good ideas that are going to make that 
big impact at the kind of five or six metrics that the the board are going to look at and say right if you if you move this metric then that is success and i think you now for us that's really that's really kind of what what the what the job is about for for me anyway and and why it's why the role of kind of you know people like us is is important brilliant mark any final thoughts on that the I, I i've got to say that both for for michael and for Armand, it, it it's nice to hear that we're all singing off the same hymn sheet I, I really do hate that phrase, but it, it is right. We're all saying the same things together. And I think for technology being that enabler and being a, a correct enabler to improve the way we work. And it, the other side of it is that it's the sharing of information more easily and being open and transparent. The, there are... The NHS is one organisation, but as NHS organisations, we're all separate organisations. We work differently. We don't have a single way of working, which does complicate when you are trying to transform the way we work to improve the better way of working. As a clinician, I should be able to go into organisation A, organisation B, organisation C, and do my job effectively and have the right tools. At the moment, we don't have that. And if we can transform more effectively, that then will become less of an issue where it will be walking from A to B to C to D. And I think probably the easiest way to explain it is if I want to log on to a Wi-Fi, I can go into Starbucks, I can go into Costa, I can go into Woolworths, I can go wherever, and I can log on to a Wi-Fi and do my job. That's what we should be doing within the NHS as our ethos. Very well and said. Just, and just to add Go. on that as, as well, Mark, if I may, is that, you know, the problems in tech are the same. You know, we're all facing the same tech challenges. We're working with the same tool sets. We know the same suppliers. It's how we apply it to healthcare versus how you apply it to manufacturing or to retail and things like that. And then it's, I think, Going right back to the crux of it, there's two points I wanted to sort of cover off was one, it's a real challenge to go from a CapEx model to an OpEx model. You know, that's a that's a big thing that people are obviously going to move from. We've we've moved personally, we've moved as humans into a very much a um, an OpEx model with the way we live with things like Netflix and things like that. But from a hospital perspective, a healthcare perspective, we're not sweating assets. We're just suddenly saying this is our monthly cost. And that monthly cost is attributed to pathology and that one's attributed to radiology. So it's a really difficult thing when you go from that purchase 10 years, 10 years ago, you sweat the assets and you've almost forgotten about it, um, to going to, well, that new thing you want will cost you £8,000 a month. And that one costs you 25000 50000 So there's a lot of learning that has to happen there across the trust as well. Um, and there was one other piece, which was, we talk about the technology that we're there to facilitate change or to, to benefit our clinicians and to help them provide care is that sometimes I think we forget what the problem was in the first place and we're delivering solutions but actually what was the problem how could we look best you know resolve that rather than I've got something here that I want to implement which I'm going to implement at you I'm not going to implement it with you so yeah we've got to sometimes take a step back and realize that we're there to facilitate health not to deliver shiny stuff <laughs> so thanks Hammond any I any understand. final points I, well, I, I would like to just come back and just sort of really, I mean, I would love to me and you have a conversation late after this 
Um, there, there is um, a new way of working. Now, at Walsall, what I started when I came here uh, dealing with the EPR implementation, I, f I created a, a design authority group. Now, that was purely for the EPR implementation of getting the clinical decisions making, how do we do it? Then when I finished that implementation and I took over in this one, I continued it. If, if, if things like this do evolve, but by having that group of clinicians, I have my CCIO, I have my CSO um, come there, I have uh, my heads of department within digital services, I have key clinical people, uh, consultants from the business, both in community and acute, who are part of the decision and direction making process of going, what is important to me as a clinician is this. What is important to me as a as digital is this. Where does this sit? Where does it stand? What are you trying to do? And I found by having something like that in place, I'm changing the way we work now. Uh, we're yeah, in that's, the that's really good to hear. We, we've literally just put in the enterprise architecture team and the uh, architecture authority board, uh, you know, following the TOGAF principles. But it's it's that simple question at the beginning, which is when someone says, I'd like to deliver this. And we're like, well, we've already got three. Why don't we just, you know, help you work with the one that we've already got? What's strategic here? Why have we got four different ways of booking a bed or what is a bed? You know, that sort of thing. So, um, no, it's 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 good to hear that those sort of mindsets that fit across our industry can be delivered in a collaborative way so no it would be really good to have a chat with you after this thank you back to you Katja <laughs> brilliant um great stuff right okay I think it would be good to move on to the next question then if um if we've tied that up so um Michael I think it'd be great to come to you Real. Okay, we've we've already kind of touched a little bit on the the impact of the COVID nineteen pandemic, and and the, the 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 general commentary around that is that within within ten days we we actually managed to achieve about ten years worth of worth of change. So um, now that we're um, coming out of it, I guess to some extent, uh, I'm not one hundred percent sure that we are necessarily, um, but you know certainly where I think things are um, have evened out compared to where they were. How do we make sure that we don't lose the the appetite for the change and the pace that we managed to get through that period? How and how how, how are you kind of approaching that in your organisation to to kind of try and make sure we don't we don't lose the momentum that we've got? Mark, I'll come to you first. I'll, I'll do it with me. I was on the edge of a chair. Got a clear answer. Can I come in there? Um, I think we, we, COVID has done two things. I think it, it's jump starters. As uh, as Michael had said, uh, ten years worth of pushing and shoving and trying to get people to work in a new way. Um, it did start a chain of events off by looking at other solutions, um, but uh, not just for the clinician, but also for the support staff. Because and and I can and I want to separate the two, but join the two for me. From a clinician being able to access a patient fairly quickly, brilliant news. Is there a downside? Yes, you're losing that face-to-face -face, uh, physical interaction, which is what a lot of patients want, and it is grouped by ages. Younger generation, more acceptable. Older generation, no, I want that touchy-feely bit uh, of speaking to my clinician. Um, 
it did show though that our other systems that support the clinician are not uh, as advanced so the ability to share information quickly um, you're still having a physical record if you're not digitized um, and, and it, it, it was very evident on that the back-end staff also was shown that you don't have to be sat in an office to provide a level of service and from and i know we touched on things before every transformation and cost and cost improvement and to make cost savings it does show that we can make savings by not we're not reducing the level of service we're just looking at a different way of working but it's continuing that but doing it in the right way if i've got someone working from home it's brilliant for some people, other people it's absolutely terrible because I want that interaction. And it's technology that will enable this, but it's also that first come, first served feel that I want to give as a clinician to my patient going, I can give you this. But we have to change a mindset of going, uh, let's balance it. It's not all about distance. It's how we interact and that method of interaction. And I think if we get it wrong, the work we've done with COVID will be undone. Yeah, and no, I think, thank you on that, on Mark. I mean, I want to sort of focus on the second part of the question as well, which is the, um, how do we keep it going? You know, and how do we not lose that pace and appetite for change? And I mean, you're absolutely right in respect of what has it given us with the working and we can go for best of breed we can suddenly employ people near shore offshore which other companies have been doing that for years we obviously now have got this new ideal of trust where we can say that people don't necessarily have to be in all the time and they can work which is great but like you say there are moments where not everybody wants to work from home and that everybody's home is different um and just been going on the on the not losing the pace on here we've you know we've essentially got to keep the conversation going you know we've got to foster a, a culture of innovation and focus on sustainability um, I think the concept of what's occurred over since COVID is that we've now they've got this collaborative mindset. Not everybody, but most people are working with a collaborative mindset. And how do we maintain that going forwards? Um, probably one of the biggest things is celebrating the successes that we've had. Is that you know there is an element of change that has occurred. Some appreciate it, some don't. Some want it, some don't. But there has been some major successes. And I think any drive, be it technology or culture is around celebration of those successes. So I think if we can keep that going, keep that pace, keep that appetite for change, then we will make massive change over the next few years. I mean, we talk about COVID, meaning that we've moved to a sort of hybrid working, in a hybrid model of working. We talk about going back 10 years or so to WannaCry, where we suddenly managed to get rid of a load of tech debt over a weekend because we had to. You know, prior to that, there were long conversations about how can we get rid of something? How can we spin up the projects? How can we do that? Suddenly, there's a massive shift in the market and everything was cleaned up in 24, 48 hours. I think with the next coming few months, there's going to be changes with regards to AI that's coming out and how that's going to affect people and how that's going to give people the ability to do things um, that they wouldn't otherwise normally do because it's suddenly becoming more publicly available. So I think these changes are happening and it's how we embrace them. It's how we challenge them. Um, how we adopt them, how we govern them, and then how we sort of look at how it's really going to benefit us. You know, some things will benefit us dramatically, some won't, some will take time. But it's that constant thought about keeping the conversation going that I think will drive us forwards. 
Fantastic. Thank you, Hammond. Um, thank you, Mark. Michael, any final thoughts? Yeah, I, mean, I, I took some notes before and, and, and really I, I kind of reflected on the on the conditions and what was different um, and, and, and really how do we kind of maintain those. So and I think that that real shared purpose and urgency was was what we all had in in that time um it kind of really leads on from uh what what kind of Hammond just just said there um at, at the beginning now uh, having that shared purpose obviously the funding was there the purse strings were a little bit a little bit looser um you know so so we need to kind of be alive to you know pick the right ideas uh work out you know what other sources of funding um who do i need to uh who do i need to do i need to be friends with uh in uh, in nhs england or my ics uh to, to try and get get some of those pots and i think the last thing is really that risk appetite um uh, around being willing to change there is that real necessity to change and that real willingness to say okay this might not be perfect um but it's going to be better than where we are and i think we you know carrying that forward maintaining that kind of confidence um with with colleagues around the organization is 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 really is really key uh cer certainly there's a huge amount of in enthusiasm in my organization around how we can change and transform and do things differently um i find the main job is well, where's the money coming from and what's the benefits and why is it more important than this other thing? Um, that That's really the kind of the, the, the challenge. So um, I think I think there's definitely the appetite. It's just about keeping as as as, as many of those kind of on the road and, and, and try and kind of bind them together with that shared purpose. It feels very much like WannaCry where, you know, I was I was head of infrastructure at, at an acute trust and having been anonymous for, for my first kind of four bumps in the organization suddenly I was the person that everyone was kind of coming to and saying okay great how do we get this hospital up and running again um so yeah I think and I think we've got a real a real kind of role to real role to play in and keeping that innovation kind of going just to go back to your risk um comment you made there Michael is how many times have you been sat in a room where we talk about low code no code and power apps and citizen coders where you've got a complete divisive split between absolutely not and absolutely go for it because there's that whole sort of view that we've got these tool sets, but we're very nervous about letting it go. And it goes back to that sort of, you know, where's our risk vector? Where's our threat vector? Where's our governance? But, you know, the innovation is there. It will get picked up in some time by people. I mean, my son's coming out of school, you know, coding at seven, eight years old with things. But that's that's the mindset that they've got. That's the tools that they've been put in front of them. And those tools are freely available to us as well. And then you get into these situations where that appetite for risk may hinder you. Uh, it may allow you, allow you to go crazy with it, but it also may, you know, bite you later on because you um, you didn't govern it at that point. So it's, it's knowing where to turn the dial, isn't it? Absolutely. I almost feel like I'm kind of perpetually somewhere in between and, and at the end of a scale of being a complete Luddite um, and really getting in people's way um, versus being the person in the room that's that's really kind of trying to drag people forward there's it kind of feels like a lot of the time I, I i kind of feel like i don't occupy the the middle middle ground um anywhere near as much as i'd quite like to but it's it's just really those two those kind of two ends of the the, the scale in terms of the that that desire so um yeah it's a really interesting one amazing thanks everyone um, Mark, we're going to come back to you now for your second question um, and our last question of today's podcast. So take it away. So uh, as the NHS now of ICBs and the ICSs for more collaborative working, is this just another slant on the national programme for IT? And how do we think this is going to be effective? 
Okay, Hammond, come to you first. I'm going to pull the new boy card again because all this is very new to me, the whole concept of how hospitals fed into trust, trusts into ICSs and all the way up to NHS England. And it was interesting when I arrived because there's been a shift since uh, when I arrived to, to now, today, where we are and what we're talking about, in that the integration the, uh, and working collaboratively with um, other trusts within the ICS. Um, where I was when I joined in October of last year, we weren't. Where we are today, two of us met collaboratively to work with a supplier to get a, a, a better deal, a better contract in place that was locally contracted. Um, as a as an ICS, we got more for what you know, more bang for the buck, basically, um, and that's great. I think that's really really important because, like, going back to the very beginning of this, we've all got the same problems, whether we're in one trust or another. We've got different environments to work, different complexities, but we've got the same problems. So the people we work with and the mindsets we've got and the collaborative way of thinking should be should be the same. Three of us are talking here. We've all got similar views, but we've also got we're humble enough to realise that we don't know everything and that three people in the room might have a lot more answers than just one. You know, my opinion is going to be different to Mark or Michael's, but I guarantee there'll be some learning from from this, from having future conversations. So that collaborative way of working within the ICS and talking to different people and working in a different mindset, which is be be humble, realise you don't know everything and that there are enough people in the room that might be able to answer your question. Um, so I think it's a way of working. It, it certainly increases efficiency for me and reduces costs, certainly when I'm going out to, to contract with suppliers. Um, but at the end, what I assume it would all lead to uh, improved patient outcomes. So yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Thanks, Hammond. Michael? Real. Okay, doke. So I'll start with my disclosure that I worked on the National Programme for IT. So, uh, so I've probably got some in interesting perspectives on this one. And, and it's actually also really interesting now working at a, a, a commissioning support unit where we've got scale across across different regions, different systems for kind of specific things. So, um, and I think think my reflection from that experience is that you know, some some stuff, it, it, it can be delivered well at scale. Um, and there are a lot of things that, that, that really can, they need to be delivered much on a much more more local level in much smaller teams um, and I think largely those um, those things that are much more effectively delivered at local level um, are, are the things where you need to gain that buy-in to deliver the change you know re the really hard change management stuff really needs to be locally driven um, so if you look back at the national program and you look at the EPR stuff they try to do with Lorenzo and drive that nationally Mark, having done having done an EPR um, in 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 your uh, in your organisation, you know you 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 will know how hard that change management is, and you really need that local that that kind of local kind of control and implementation approach and and, and change approach. So um, you know, but then you know we've also got the spine and um, smart cards and you know, all of those things that are that are that are there. They work and they're really great and they support a whole load of stuff. So there's um, really i think it's just kind of different different solutions for, for different kind of kind of problems and i think the collaboration that we've seen around shared care records at system level um or across kind of multiple systems um is um is it's really valuable stuff you i don't think you could have done that nationally so yes it's been nationally funded but it's been delivered locally because you need that change you need that buy-in to plumb 
all your data into those shared care records um so it needs to be done kind of locally so um so yeah so i think it's really kind of for me it's 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 horses for courses in terms of okay well what kind of change is it and and how would we most effectively deliver that and i think that's that's sometimes a bit a bit tough um i i guess read, reading the question i think um there is a bit of a risk that actually this this new being the integrated care board kind of gets seen as a bit of a command and control arm from NHS England um, and then there's absolutely a risk there um, and I'm, I'm sure many of us all get those kind of returns that tend to come in on a Thursday afternoon and they need to be done within 48 hours um, and, and, and they're they're quite difficult to, to handle um, and yeah, so ultimately, I think it's something to be managed. And ultimately, we've got got to find out that that difference between um, balancing the delivery of the local need versus versus the kind of the, the needs of the, the centre, as you would call it. So you NHS England's Department of Health and Social Care. So um, yeah, for, for for me, it's kind of about making the right choices about where we deliver stuff out of. Thanks, Michael. Mark, I'll come back to you. Well. I, I was going to turn my camera off and just say right by. Um, when I first came into the NHS in 2003, um, I came with uh, a mindset. I'd been military, as I said, for 24 years. Um, I'd worked on, um, in the last eight years of my career in the army, I was uh, sent to Winchester. Um, to work on the biggest IT project in the of the armed services, which was computerizing the administration system for the regular army in the TA. Um, we weren't buying items off the shelf. We were developing it in Oracle forms, uh, on citizens, on Unix boxes. And we did everything from design of, of infrastructure um, to deploying it uh, and building it and so on. So when I came in, I had a lot of experience of how change can be, you know, and especially when you you know you look at uh, something that's worldwide. When I started on the program, and I was I'm going to say was I fortunate or unfortunate? I did the first project for the national program, so I and it was the single assessment for all the people, and I, I was uh, in Newcastle and North Tyneside. Uh, at the time. So I was dealing with Department of Health, the regional um, centre of going, right, this is how we're going to do it and everything else. All of the, the, the ethics behind what was doing, the rationale for the national programme was, was fantastic. And it's actually the same, and we've learned lessons for doing it for the ICS and the SABs. What we'd made the mistake on was trying to prescript it to strict so that you have one system or this one. Um, in the northeast, we were going to have ISOFT until they, um, they went bust. We then had TPP. No one had heard of TPP, the Phoenix Partnership Trust, Phoenix Partnership, until um, they were then selected, because they were only being used in Yorkshire. Massive. EMIS didn't want to be part of it. They walked away. And we had a lot of people who see what we could achieve by then. And I don't know if you ever went and had the um, demonstration from Harvard Medical. 
Um, we had the, um, in essence, the chief exec come over to us in Newcastle. So we were all sat in the theatre at the uh, at the RVI, and he was connected to um, all his IT systems. So he was showing us all the information that it was possible to be viewed somewhere and looked at Mount Sinai Hospital. What they were doing, what's the A&E, how many people were there. They were probably 15, 20 years ahead of where we needed to be. But it was showing if you collaborate properly, you can be more effective. Now, the national programme tried to do it in a way that failed. That's why it went bust. We've come in now and we're working more collaboratively. So for the West Midlands, what does it mean for us in the West Midlands? What does it mean then for, you know, for Manchester, Newcastle, Bristol, London? By having that smaller group and saying, what do we do? Because we interact on a day-to-day -day basis. A patient can go from point A to point B. I want to share that information. But by doing that change of mindset now, it makes the way we can improve delivering. You know, you mentioned about being more cost effective. Yes, it is, because we are defining what systems we want locally. You know, you and I both use West Midlands Ambulance Service. So why do I want to go out and do something different to what you do when we both use the same service that comes in and delivers patients? That ICBRCS is enabling that to be better. I think some of it is we've still got some of that mindset, and you mentioned it, Michael, is where it gets the Friday afternoon, give me a report by Monday morning. That needs to, that element of it needs to improve. But if we look at how we're doing things, if you think of the, um, as a data lake, we all put in information into a single data lake. What we do with that information enables us, both technically and operationally, to look at the data and tell us what do we want to do. Where is the problems? And we can fix it collaboratively instead of trying to do it on our own, which is what we've done in the past. Brilliant. I'll shut up now. <laughs> that was brilliant. Thank you, Mark. Are there any final thoughts? from anyone before we conclude. Just, just to add on to this one about the ICS, just as an example one, we've, uh, a few of us, I'll just, I'll, I'll keep names out and different things, but a few of us have got together to look at what we can do specifically with Microsoft that we in an ICS have found are our major problems. Uh, what as in, what are the things that we would do that would benefit those at the coalface um, the most? Because we do a lot of clever, fancy stuff, but really how quickly can we, get someone to log on? How can we make their lives easier in that respect? How quickly can we rebuild a machine if it goes wrong? You know, can we get it so that they don't have to wait two days for someone to come fix it? Can they just hit the Windows key six times and they come back from lunch and the machine's rebuilt for them? How, you know, we've got to focus as what are the things that we're doing that are meaning clinicians can remove just minutes and minutes and minutes, repetitive minutes throughout their days, throughout their weeks, throughout the years, so that essentially we can create more time for doctors to have appointments so that we can reduce ambulance queues. You know, what are the basics that we've got to get right? We focus on some of the big things so many times, but what as a, an ICS can we say are our three quick wins that may take a while to do, but if we work collaborative, we would be a lot quicker to deliver, which would give the best impact to the clinicians. And that's something that, you know, we're looking at at the moment. And it's it's a new thing that's been uh, from, it's not, it wasn't instigated by me, it's instigated from outside of and people within the ICS. And it's a great way of thinking. 
because suddenly there's three of us through trust thinking of how to do a fix a problem to give back to the clinicians that we all will benefit from and that that's a big thing because otherwise I'm thinking about how I fix help my clinicians they think about how they're fixing and helping their clinicians well actually let's think about it from a ICF perspective and if that works let's think of a bigger group and then and then let's pass that knowledge on to other people to say here's what we've just learned this is what we just did here's the person that actually facilitated it Microsoft or AWS or whomever um you might want to jump on board on this because it's a quick win for you we've done the we've done the hard bit you might want to jump on there and then you can get some benefits from it as well and then you know those favors will start to come back the karma will kick in and suddenly you know someone from further afield is going did you know how we did this this will fix your problem and i think by talking about it openly on podcasts and being uh, you know we're, we're collaborative working here we're talking about it openly in a public space that other people will hear and listen to well hopefully they will five or six people probably listen to us but um you know by listening to us and by hearing what problems we've got maybe the solutions are going to come back out and i think that openness in conversation, that collaborative mindset, um, it, it can do nothing but good, I feel. I think it's a really good space to be in right now. Thank you, Hammond. Hopefully there is more than six listeners uh, to this podcast, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> well, we've got four already, haven't we? We need another two and we've done it. <laughs> It's actually really refreshing to hear just how much optimism there is around around integrated care systems around the group because it, it's it, no, it's 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 one of those and and for you know the, 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 those of us that feel like they've been around forever um you know the the the, the rebrands and the and, and the reshuffling and the reorgs you know there you can you do come across some folks that are kind of jaded by jaded by it all. So it's 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 actually really nice and really refreshing to kind of to have that real real sense of optimism around it. And um, you know certainly the work that that, that I've done uh, with some of the integrated care systems in our area is really really exciting. Yeah, I think we should never never forget we're in a privileged position right now. You know, to be at this position and within a trust to be given this much responsibility, this much opportunity. It's very privileged. And it's, you know, if if we if we lose sight of that, that's that's bad. So I think, yeah, the optimism comes from one being you uh, and the say not being jaded. But this is this is everything we ever work for, right? We all started somewhere either coding or on a help desk or on doing desktop support. And we're now in charge of, you know, huge, huge amounts of responsibility, big trusts, lots of responsibility, lots of people, lots of tech. Um, and this is all we've ever aspired to do. So, yeah, the optimism comes from the fact that this is cool. This is fun. You know, there's loads and loads of opportunity now to do something great. Um, and we've been doing this for a long time. So, you know, let's let's ride it out, enjoying ourselves at the end of it all and make some uh, make some difference. Amazing. Thank you so much. Any final thoughts? Good stuff. Right. Thoughts, I just... of the day. thoughts of oh. the day. Oh, I knew you were going to say something. Go on, Mark. <laughs> um... Everything is achievable when we talk, and that's the part. And I think that's part of the fear. People do not want to talk. They don't want to say, actually, we are not doing this well. How can I improve it? Yeah, no, fully agree. It's about having that open communication. Uh, forums like this is a great space to do that. I just want to thank you all so much for your time, insight. Uh, it's probably a conversation that we could continue in the near future if you're all up for it. So thank you so much.